this episode, please consider making a donation to the podcast via Venmo to the username at NQCATX. Hello and welcome to Next Quest Podcast, where I ask your potential therapist questions so you don't have to. I am your host, Noah S. Garcia, Licensed Professional Counselor Supervisor. Today, I welcome to the show Michael Romero, Licensed Clinical Social Worker Supervisor, who will be talking about his practice in an area of specialty, Creative Therapeutic Interventions in Working with Children, Teens, and Families. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So what are your credentials and experience? Uh, It's kind of varied. Um, I am a licensed clinical social worker supervisor, as you said. I uh, went to UT School of Social Work for bachelor's and master's, Um, did some international things, and uh, part of that being a um, thing with the practicum in Mexico for masters in social work, and then uh, kind of got into that a lot and did Peace Corps in Honduras with youth development, um, or rather Honduras uh, kind of did me in a, in a sense of connecting <laughs> and learning. Um, and um, then I have worked with uh, primarily the most experience I've had is with an incredible organization called Communities and Schools of Central Texas. That's really where I have learned 95% of just about everything. Um, and uh, currently, um, I do a mix of music. Uh, I've, I've studied and played music since uh, I was young, and now I kind of do a combination of of things and I'm getting into more puppetry stuff. Um, so it's a lot of varied things. I also work with the um, Sims Foundation. I, I'm a, a contractor for them, as well as with juvenile probation, uh, communities and schools. And then I have my own practice um, that kind of opens the door for others and it's called Tonality Counseling. Fittingly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it took a while. It's so funny how many names are already used, but. When I saw that one, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope that'll work. And sure <laughs> enough, it was open. Um, and I, I saw on your website, I think, uh, through communities and schools, you got the, what was it, the Unsung Hero Award or something like that? 
very, very lucky and a wonderful supervisor was uh, through my name in the hat for that. Um, we, they have one of the special things about working there that helped me grow a lot was having some um, supervisors who basically said, kind of nourish that creative piece and saying, if you're enjoying what you're doing in your own passion and it's a healthy, positive thing, if you can bring that into therapy, then it's going to just be that much better. Um, and oh, hell yeah. That's, that's really made a difference. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so it sounds like you have like a, a few contracts. It sounds like with Sims, um, uh, communities and schools and juvenile probation. Um, do you accept insurance? If so, which ones? If not, why not? Totally. Um, it's funny that I have always kind of thought that as in, in, in this field, it's kind of like, well, you need, you need to, you should. It, it opens the doors for so many people. And it's been kind of a puzzle in my head of how to do it. Um, I've only recently had some really supportive people um, from uh, Crave Counseling and Embracing Mind, Embracing Minds Counseling who have helped guide me through some of the processes. And so now I'm, uh, as of like two weeks ago, I'm accepting Blue Cross um, Blue Shield. Awesome. And uh, the Medicare Medicaid piece is technically done, but I'm not ready or there yet because it's still a, it's, it's a little complicated if you're very green to it. Um, so yes, I, ideally I'd like to have the doors open as open as they can be, but I am, I don't have a team and I think I try to have a balance of music and counseling. So I, I limit what I really put on the plate. <laughs> That makes a lot of sense. I mean, insurance is sticky and it's a lot of work. So I can totally feel you on that. Um, do you have a sliding scale or reduced fee uh, available? Totally. So um, one of the things that's special about working with the Sims Foundation um, and uh, Communities and Schools uh, Central Texas as a kind of out-of-network person, um, they've they kind of open the door for that. They bring, uh, Sims brings things way down um, as far as um, sliding scale. And um, I mean, very, very affordable. It's usually, it's, it's for musicians and families. Um, and then CIS will work with families who are already in that arena of uh, lower income. And that opens the door for, for me. And personally on a private pay scale, hundred percent. I, I want to uh, make it work as best as I can. Um, so we generally just talk through what, what might be feasible and go from there. Okay, cool. Um, do you have weekend or evening appointments available? Sure, I do. Right now I work about three days during the week. And so that's, I can balance some family things and, and a lot of musical things. Um, but I tend to lean into the evenings more than I do into the mornings and uh, weekends <laughs> <laughs> weekends are kind of not generally open but they I do believe that the clients that I do take uh, work with as team up with um, I want to be available in a in a real crisis kind of time so I mm -hmm. generally can make something work in that arena if it's needed okay gotcha um, is being a therapist your first career? If not, 
what was? I think my mom told me I wanted to be a lawyer when I was a kid and <laughs> that never panned out. <laughs> I, my first career was thinking I was going to be a, a trumpet player superstar. And surprisingly enough, I've had a lot of, of wonderful support and luck. And I, I have gotten to tour the world playing trumpet um, nice. with a, with a band, which is amazing. Um, but um, I did kind of uh, fall out of music school interest in being locked in a room and just focusing totally on practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted a little more adventure in that realm. And I took a class of uh, social work because my father is a social worker and my mother mm-hmm. is a psychiatric nurse. And I was like, I'll just take a class. And I took a class. I was like, this is so crazy. Everything I grew up hearing, like, let's draw your feelings out or it's okay to cry or, um, hey, did we lose something? Let's do a search train and we're going to find that thing we lost. And all these things were just right in that first intro class. So uh, I kind of got hooked from there. That's awesome. Um, is that, was taking that class ultimately what drew you to being a therapist? I would say that that uh, probably what drew me to being a therapist was having both parents be I feel like there's kind of a rare situation with all the people that I work with and know. Um, I feel like I have parents who are kind of, uh, I, I wish more people had that kind of support um, and really believe in you and non-judging and supporting. Um, and then it also, as I grew up, I ran into a lot of people that for whatever reason, I got lucky to be taken under their wings. So I noticed that and then I started noticing like how amazing that that could be to be in a career where you are a kind of a guarantor for other people. I mean, then, you know, can kind of team up and support along the way and learn as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we've learned a lot about you so far, but tell us a little bit more about yourself, like other hobbies, interests, TV shows you watch, music you listen to, pets, etc. Oh no, this is super fun. Um, the whole thing. <laughs> I'm, now we get to uh, this is great. Um, yeah, I I have uh, my girlfriend. And I have uh, a, a growing farm. We should say uh, we have cool. uh, a dog named Muffy, a dog named Roxy, and a cat named Cuddles. And I'll explain why we're sharing this, but. Um, Araceli and I have um, been trained by our dog, Moppy, to have us take her as a therapy dog <laughs> to into <laughs> our sessions. And it definitely is a us learning from her um, and learning how to be, uh, you know, really good guides with her. Um, and then um, let's see other things. I've uh, currently been working a lot with a um, a licensed professional counselor slash artist, um, my count, what is it called? Art therapist um, named Becky Cook. And we, um, one of our big goals, uh, and we just started and actually just released a book called Cuddles the Cat, Got Things to Do. And saw that, yeah. Yeah, okay. we've we got this little guy right here, which is really fun. And it, it has, uh, it's connected to a song that I wrote about cuddles and, um, Kind of a fun, not super bibliotherapy book, but it has some little bits and pieces in there. Uh, 
So that's using puppetry, kids' songs, um, doing puppet videos is some real passion of mine. Outside of that stuff, uh, I really love fishing. I, I feel guilty for the fish, but most of the time I just give them free worms because I never <laughs> catch anything. anything. <laughs> oh, I, I'm right there with you, man. I love fishing too. In fact, I'm moving to the coast later this year, so purely so I can fish more. Um, so That's I totally amazing. understand that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're gonna have to let me know how how that goes and what that's like. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> um, yeah, other hobby, I I think just really it's a lot of like creating. Um, I find so much fun in, in creating, and mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I I used to do that it sounds like work, but it was so fun that it wasn't. Um, when I used to work with communities uh, and schools, we did. Uh, leadership camping retreats. Uh, so you get a, a few of very trained and loving adults and um, take young people out on kind of an adventure camp out and go through all cool. the things that that you would uh, want to do. Cooking, uh, setting up a tent, skills that kids may have never gotten to do and right. they get to do it as a team. Uh, I miss that a lot. And COVID came, I was like, ah! Um, but, yeah. Um, but outdoors kinds of things. And uh, those are the uh, movies and things like that. I, it would be embarrassing to list the things. I think I've watched The Office way too many times for any <laughs> human. <laughs> My best friend oh, yeah. too. I, I'm always hearing lines from The Office, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure why. I think it became this kind of comfort thing. And I think it's a thing. Like you kind of have something that's, it's familiar in your background and that can right. be a comfort and reorienting kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. I could see that. So um, what modalities would you say you draw upon in your practice? So that's a, that's a really fun question because I always um, fall on my face answering the modality or treatment approaches thing. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of a resistance to using um specific things or or just the fact that I love creating and kind of figuring out different ideas um and maybe I have a hard time opening up a a book and following all the rules to to do things um which hopefully should be reassuring to folks in school um that you do get to figure out what works for you but uh I think I totally lean on relational approaches Mm -hmm. uh, I can see that <laughs> I tone of voice is really important to me. Um, and how can I use that as a tool? Uh, things around, I, I, I have, I definitely lean on strengths perspective and kind of possibility and uh, looking, looking at the things that, that are going right. Um, I have occasionally had a client say, you know, like, okay, tell it to me straight. Don't, you know, don't be in the clouds on this. And, and that's fine. I can definitely do that. But I think the starting point is more of like, obviously, the things that are going on for anybody are, are definitely getting on the way of, of real positive things that we can kind of rediscover um, mm-hmm. or reconnect to. Um, and things that I would like to learn and dive into, definitely EMDR. And I'd be really interested how to use music in an EMDR way. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, when you when you start when you, I knew you were going to say EMDR for some reason, and I was like, in the EMDR and the music, like I just see it. <laughs> yeah. So what's interesting is uh, my girlfriend Adeseli is she's a licensed professional counselor, and and she does all the things that I uh, I, I don't want to say lazy, but it is kind of lazy. like she studies and she goes to all these trainings, and so. I, I'd ask about, like, tell me a little bit more about EMDR. And then she'd show me a couple of techniques and things. And I'd just be like, oh my goodness, this is, that's one really neat thing. I also really love things, uh, the idea of, uh, and have an interest in things around uh, connecting to your body, you know, uh, somatic experiencing kinds of things. Uh, and then if I can, I think where my heart definitely is, is some kind of combination of adventure and recreation therapy with instruments. I think if that's, mm -hmm. that's like the ultimate goal of modality for me, but yeah. I see that. And, you know, I think that after we've been doing this for so many years, you know, we integrate all the things that we learned from our studying in grad school and it just kind of morphs into like our own specific style that is hard to really say, oh, well, it's this, this, and this, like, yeah. you know, it, it just, like we ask questions with a theoretical basis in mind without even thinking about it, I think. And it just becomes second totally. nature. Totally. And it's so interesting because all the insurance companies and all of the, you know, pages where you, you highlight your practice, right? you know, like here and here and here and which, which treatment do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm not, a mu I mean, it's important to note that I use music a ton, but I'm not a music therapist. And it's important to highlight those details. Cause I think sometimes when a client is looking, you can get maybe because somebody might use a technique from something, but they, I do think it's important to note the expertise in the level or interest. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So give us some examples of the creative therapeutic interventions that you enlist in your work with clients, like music is a big one, puppets, um, anything else that you would note? Sure. Um, is there's, there's a ton. So just stop me if <laughs> no, it's not because it's fun, not, not trying to make a big list of things. It's just, I, I think I get, uh, I have a hard time with kind of doing the same thing for a long time. And I think that, you know, if I'm a client in therapy, I think I, I like to have new things introduced to me as well. Um, but, um, so definitely songwriting, allowing a place for, for that. If somebody has an interest, there's, just for, for anybody's uh, interest, there is um, a site I just came across. I think it's called like Chrome Labs or Chrome Music Labs. We'll have to, we'll have to look at it, but it offers, a, it's free. You can share your screen and do it. And it has a grid, very, very simple. When you press and just on this little grid, the different colors come up and then you press play and it plays whatever you touched on the grid in a music way. How cool. Um, and then it also has uh, drums and a snare hat. And so it's it's kind of like, uh, what's that game? The the music game, Guitar Hero? Guitar Hero, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of like that, but very simplified to where you could have no idea what you're doing and still create. And I think that's that's super fun to use. Um, I, 
I love uh, if if there's a chance to kind of make a book with a client, sort of can be a digital thing or actually could print out eventually um, if they were wanting that and there was permission. Um, guiding them through, you know, I worked with a client and who had lost his father really suddenly. And we tried kind of going through that. What were dad's favorite things? Like, um, what colors should we use in this book? What, um, do you have any pictures we should use? Kind of uh, bringing that out. Uh, the simplest things are oftentimes the most fun. Like they have, used to have a store called Teacher Heaven. They have these blank puzzles that it's just a five to 25 piece puzzle and it's just totally blank. And that can be a real fun thing to use with having Ooh. a client paint or draw or even write something and then have the power to take it apart and yeah. bring it back together um, or frame it. Um, other things, uh, definitely using um, puppets in, in however way that the, the person would like to, or the kid would like to also adults. I think one of the neat things about play is I think the older that I have noticed some, all of us <laughs> get that something that really is missing is play. It's totally. so, if there's a fight in a relationship, sometimes the simplest thing is, can we go play a game? That's it. Let's take sorry out and let's just play that game. Like, and then you can expand on that of, oh, I have to apologize to you now because I'm doing something that or oh, you thought you were going to win. Now we have to stomach an uncomfortable loss. Like there's so much fun things you can do with little things. Um, mm-hmm. There's, uh, I also have various instruments that can be really neat. One of my favorites um, is called uh, an OP1 and it is a, tiny synthesizer based on the first Casio little keyboard. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, super, you probably have seen them. My, um, my ex-girlfriend had one. Okay. All right. So <laughs> and that can be a fun, like it has a thing that you can record and loop a song. Uh-huh. You can take a sound and mess with it. Um, granted, it's just kind of like a hyped up version of an iPad, but it's only focuses the music and I take, it's small enough to take to sessions. It is very expensive, but um, anything like that. I mean, I use a $25 Goodwill keyboard that I have from, uh, that can be just as fun. Um, other kinds of uh, things, I'm looking over to this area where I have games and I have a green screen covering that area. So my brain is kind of like, stop. But um, I really enjoyed using just playing cards and a little bit of kind of very basic magic tricks that I looked up. Because cool. I think for me, the things that I have found most therapeutic are the things that recenter and connect and make someone feel safe, especially for kids. So it doesn't really matter what you're, in, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter what you're using if it helps just engage from a very basic level. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, with adults, it's been a little different on, on creative kinds of things, but I think I'm trying to introduce that idea of let's, let's play some more. Let's, um, let's try some different things. One of the latest things I gave for homework was for a client to, um, it's like a young family, lots of stress for this time to be a young family. And for so sure. I asked him to buy a, um, 
sandwich ding bell, you know, I don't know, the hotel ding bell, and put it in the middle of the room. And any time he or his significant other had even a minor success, somebody goes dings that bell and just bringing that celebration out. Um, so yeah, lots of little things. That's fun. I, I, I really like that. I like the the different ways in which you're using things just creatively, you know? Um, do you think that perhaps you could play a song, maybe a song about cuddles for us? Totally. Six in the morning, cuddles nose. Cuddles the cat got things to do. She jumps on the bed and scratches my nose. Cuddles the cat got things to do. It's breakfast time, she's meowing on. Cuddles the cat got things to do. Then over the fence to tease the dog. Cause Cuddles the cat got things to do. Middle of the day and Cuddles knows Cuddles the cat got things to do She found a lizard and the lizard ran Cuddles the cat got things to do Well the lizard escaped but she spotted a bird Cuddles the cat got things to do The bird started flying and Cuddles got mad Cuddles the cat got things to do I'm pulling out the driveway She's bouncing around the yard I wish she'd stay out in the back She's scared of cars Neighbors know her well by now But she never goes too far Sometimes if I've been gone all day She takes it kinda hard She found a puzzle in the living room Cuddles the cat got things to do Puzzle found its way all the way to the floor Cuddles the cat got things to do Then she saw some food right on the table Cuddles the cat got things to do When I got back that food was gone Cuddles the cat got things to do End of the day and Cuddles knows Cuddles the cat got things to do Up and down the cat tree Cuddles goes Cuddles the cat got things to do It's time for dinner she's meowing loud Cuddles the cat got things to do But you ate my dinner I told her now Cuddles the cat got things to do When I try to go to bed what's that? It's Cuddles stepping on my head Just a few more hours of rest I beg no more food till we've slept I never liked cats till I met Cuddles And sometimes she gets on my nerves But if you ask me who's the coolest cat I'll tell you Cuddles for sure Six in the morning, Cuddles knows Cuddles the cat got things to do She jumps on the bed and scratches my nose Cuddles the cat got things to do Cuddles the cat got things to do Cuddles the cat got things to do So when you are using an intervention that is creative in nature, what would you say makes it therapeutic? I think if it can provide safety, if it can provide any of the things that are taken away in trauma mm-hmm. or any of the things that are, that are addressing an unmet need, and we have so many different things that are unmet at times, especially if we're coming to therapy. And so it doesn't mean that therapy can fulfill all those needs, but if an intervention can uh, provide safety, can provide laughter, can provide a sense of connection with another human being that is non-judgmental, um, or if an intervention can provide just a deep breath, I think it works. 
it can be checkers. It can be Connect Four online. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, I'm trying to explore video games with with youth, and it, and then that's mm-hmm. that's as hard and uh, puzzling as uh, insurance panels. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to learn, um, but yeah, I think if you can connect to an unmet need, then it it really doesn't matter what you're doing. In my opinion. yeah, no, I, I totally I'm totally right there with you. Um, so, I mean, from talking to you and looking at your website, I mean, you're obviously a talented musician. Can you tell us more about the instruments you play and your general journey with music? Like, when did you start? And just a little more about the, the band you traveled with and all that sort of stuff. Totally. Uh, I heard a, a kid in fifth grade uh, playing trumpet at a, at a um, talent show, and I, I was hooked. And sixth grade all the way up to now um i don't know how many years that is it's 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 been a while uh and i both of my parents play instruments this is kind of coming back to like how it just having their rootedness provided a lot of things that i don't think are easy to come by uh so my father played guitar my mother plays flute or both play guitar mom plays flute and father plays guitar uh they both write songs um and uh from there i i had wonderful wonderful teachers uh lamar middle school at mccallum high school uh at ut uh, for about a year that i was doing music school and uh had my own little little band that could for a while called stromero um and and loved it uh but then um, shifted more to enjoying uh, seeing what I could do as a kind of a sideman, uh, multi-instrumentalist, and uh, joined uh, a great friends group uh, called Gina Chavez um, and traveled and did all sorts of musical adventures and loved it. We went to 12 countries at the U.S. State Department doing um uh learning i would say it's really the thing we did <laughs> but we we played music and got to do connecting and activities and workshops with kids and and uh, uh communities and uh also used the guitar and trumpets all through my time in in honduras as it's just kind of back to that like if it can be a fun safe thing it can open up so many doors of rapport which get you further into connecting and so I rely on that all the time. Um, I have found that uh, currently with COVID, kind of the touring things kind of really stopped. And I started to, <laughs> I started to, uh, to dive into, uh, uh, with my good friend, uh, Kenneth Null, uh, kind of guiding me as a mentor and videographer, diving into puppetry. And uh, I'm not an expert at all. I, I'm kind of like as good as I am at fishing. That's, that's, you know, but, but I love it. And I think there's things that you can, can make work with it. And uh, so the reason I bring up puppetry is because it's connected to animal songs. And so I found that where my real passion is, is writing songs about animals that can connect to kids, but not mm-hmm. be, and, and this is fine for, for the, the music that I have heard. That's kind of very sing songy and, and, 
sugary is not a, a really nice term, but you know, a little excessively sugary is kind of, I really like things that have a, a story and that you can, um, that maybe aren't too cliched out. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's where things are with music now is, is really writing and uh, performing and doing Puppetry Kids music stuff. Uh, Instrument-wise, I play uh, guitar decently. I play trumpet okay. Um, and uh, that's what I've probably studied the most. And then I have leaned into uh, percussion and uh, kind of uh, interactive kinds of drumming things. Um, there's a wonderful mentor of mine named Solomon Masala who uh, has taught me many things about using music to connect and rhythm to connect. Um, and then I don't know if I mentioned synthesizer, but that's very, um, it's still very new. I just enjoy it a lot. So, yeah. Have you seen that synthesizer? I've seen it advertised on Facebook where it relies on touch. So if you touch it and you move it, it sounds different. And if somebody, if you touch somebody else while holding it, it also sounds different. And that just reminds me of something that we would probably totally dig. Yeah. Is it the, is it the orb? It's, it's a Maybe little, it's, it's, a, it's a black kind of um, uh, almost kind of paperweight looking thing that you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. it has, oh, I, I, it looks like a an orange cut in half, but it's it's black. Um, does that sound right? I think that's the one that I'm talking about. I've seen a couple of them. I think that's the one. Um, yeah, funny you should mention that. Um, Kenneth got me one during uh, COVID and <laughs> I have used it in session just and it's great. That's a perfect one because it's, it's a lot cheaper than the OP1 and very simple. And you can, I just hold it up to the screen and I'll start kind of playing and doing a jam with, with a kid. Um, yeah, it's super affordable. That's definitely fun. Cool. Um, so when and how did you realize that music and things like puppetry could have such an impact when paired with therapy? I think going, this is kind of a weird connection. Um, so you might have to bring me back if I stray a little bit, but uh, my father taught me this game called Slapjack. And it's just a very simple card game where anytime the jack comes up, you slap and then you win the cards. When I, when I was in Honduras, I, I was, I spoke a good amount of Spanish, but I still had a lot to learn. And, and the easiest thing to carry around is a deck of cards. So I learned that, using something very simple that was easy to connect with someone else really, really opened the doors. And so in Honduras, really, I started using the guitar a lot more, uh, the trumpet a lot more, and seeing how that relationship built. And when you come back to therapy, because that wasn't therapy, that was, uh, if anything, I was being given therapy as a gift from uh, Honduras. <laughs> and um, but when you come back to therapy, it does talk so much about it doesn't the the years of study that you do, the type of therapy you do, all that stuff generally comes circles back to can you create a supportive, caring, positive relationship? Because that's the thing that will change. Um, and that's the thing that will sustain. And so uh, that writing songs and learning songs from different countries that would connect really started making me think why, well, you know, this is just an obvious thing to be using uh -huh. whenever it's available. It's not something I ever force. 
And sometimes I am surprised at, I would think, oh gosh, this would be really like wonderful. They're going to love the guitar. And then it's not. What they end up loving is just having a time to talk or just playing some talking therapy or talking, doing, thinking game or something like that. But having it available is, is what's most important to me. So, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. What sorts of mental health or behavioral concerns have you seen your various types of creative therapeutic interventions be helpful for? Sure. Um, I would start with when I have an office, um, having a, all of the things out and available, everything from like fun puzzles and manipulative stuff to all the instruments and djembe drums and stuff. So from, from that, I think it can be a very centering thing for kids who are feeling like I have all this energy. Are you an adult? <laughs> we're all just, we're all just kids, but, uh, True. <laughs> but having something that you can touch and you can pound and make a sound and, and sing along with, um, I think for some kids who are really just feeling like, nothing works for school or I'm in trouble all the time or uh, I'm not very good at much. And then you come and you can touch the piano and instantly get a successful response. Um, and that's kind of the same with uh, having our dog uh, Mafia therapy dog connected it. You instantly, from the moment you are in the room or in the session, you are getting acceptance. And so Bringing back to the more clinical terms, kids who are dealing with symptoms of depression or anxiety or uh, trauma, especially having that rooted and fun, I think is the, if anything I could come back to, like what is the number one thing that's most important in therapy? To me, it should be like fun um, outside of safety. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, there are plenty of other things that, that I've worked with kids and, and adults on. Um, sometimes simple things around, like a, one of my favorite games for families is probably the simplest thing. And it, it almost would be just like, huh, that didn't cost you anything. And it's, but it's so effective. Um, I, I stumbled onto this. I'm sure I saw it from somebody. I don't know. But uh, you get in a circle with the family. You have a fun ball. And everybody goes around and it could be any age and just say, what animal are you to you feel like today? Everybody goes around. It's just, I'll just say for me, dolphin. Then um, the next one is, what's your favorite color? And if everybody goes around, I'll say blue. Uh, next one, what's your favorite food? Okay, pizza. And what's your favorite activity? Okay, riding on a skateboard. And so everybody goes around and does that. And then each person has to tell and make a story out of it. So for me, I would now have to say, my blue dolphin is eating pizza while riding on a skateboard. Gotcha. And, <laughs> and having everyone <laughs> do that connects it, you, it. There's not put downs. It's more of like a, a real fun thing. So um, that has been useful for families where lots of different ages, um, lots of different challenges happening around school, perhaps. And we're just trying to get everybody in the same room and bring a safe place. So I know I answered that question kind of generally, but as far as um, I should just note, as far as diagnoses and things, I grew up with a mother who has worked for 40 years as a psychiatric nurse 
a father who's worked the same amount of time or a little less, little less in the social work field in hospitals and everything. So I'm aware of the diagnoses. I'm aware of the medications. Believe in a lot of um, how that can be beneficial, but rarely lean on any sort of of piece around that. And so, um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and I just want to note again that you also work with adults as well. Um, how might you tweak some of the things you do in working with adults? Totally. It it's an ever learning process. Um, I think I think with adults right now, virtually it's it's totally its own thing. Um, but I think more with adults, if if I were to uh, you know, I am I am kind of leaning towards doing occasional in person when there's some basics covered around that. Um, but I can see doing hikes, doing something like fishing or something like tennis, um, some activity where we're actually doing something while the therapy is happening. Uh-huh. Um, and that I think there's there is there's definitely a connection between EMDR there and other things where you kind of have your body doing something while you're right. talking that. Um, with adults, it really comes back to lately. It has been coming back to how can we, especially for a lot of adult men that I'm finding I really enjoy working with. I like all ages and, and all people, but um, the interesting is like connecting back to that inner kid. And how are we taking care of that inner kid? And and that inner kid might need a little more self-care right now. How do we make that when things are blowing up and, and we're feeling all sorts of things, like how do we make you feel a little safer just in your day-to-day? Do we need a, a more comfortable pillow? Do we want to get a special candle? Like what could be cool? Um, what could be fun and, and playful? Um, so, yeah. I love that. What about with like couples? Do you ever use like musics, musics, music or uh, puppets with couples? Totally. It's, it's kind of, that's well to, I, I say totally because I think, well, why not? Wouldn't we? And I don't know <laughs> that I have yet. Um, but I think it's also kind of when, when a couple would be in the spot to, to be willing to explore. I have used uh, Jenga before, like just the feelings game. Um, mm-hmm. and to, I think it just comes back to kind of nudging that spot of no matter what the situation is, nudging that spot on, are we doing some sort of reconnecting that doesn't involve judgment, that involves celebrating, that involves being a little silly? And if we already have that nailed down, okay, great. Now let's look at like, what are some needs that you have that we want to kind of realign or do we need to kind of balance how we talk to each other a little more or does somebody just need a a night off, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, But yes, uh, I would, I I think it's probably easier in an office to set up the situation, but in thinking about it, um, having things to write a song creating an environment in which the couple could write a song together, even putting almost a Mad Lib up um, and then, or, or letting them do it as an assignment, um, writing a poem, writing a song, 
you know, writing an inner message kind of things like that. And I just want to note too, like you don't have to be a musician at all to be able to do any of these things, right? No, no. And I really don't. Some days I really question whether or not the term musician is fit for me because to me a musician is 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 very dedicated and you've and practicing every day and and that's really hard if you do more than than music and most people unfortunately uh, have to. Um, yeah. But, but um, no, in fact, the the most fun things um, require zero musical things. It it might be helpful to have a couple of notes on on ideas but having drumsticks and do, that's one of the simplest things is having the call and response i play like duh, 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 and then you play it and we go back and forth with different ideas but then you let the client start and then you repeat so that you get this reciprocal kind of powers or even yeah, I see what you're doing there. yeah um and uh, a simpler way to use a guitar is if you have a musician friend that can tune it. Uh, maybe just show you real quick. You can, I'm sure a lot of anybody who plays guitar would know this. Tuning to open tuning. One of the easy things to do is to have, uh, if you do have a guitar, even a $25 guitar, doesn't matter. You can tune it to open tuning. And what happens with that is it becomes, no matter what you play, if you just strum it, you have a pretty chord. And the neat thing on that is if you turn the guitar sideways, or just kind of lay it down, and you use a pen or something, this has been a really fun activity with kids. They can tap on the strings and you get a hammered dulcimer kind of sound, or you can even slide. And you don't have to know anything other than just having your guitar in that. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a simple example of, uh, I mean, obviously you need a friend to, to help if you, if you don't play, but um, there you don't need any sort of musical background to use music as a tool. Awesome. Awesome. What would you say are some misconceptions about the use of creative interventions in therapy? It's probably the exact same response that I'm sure many people that uh, are in this work have heard around play therapy, which is, or if you're in a school, you get it, you get it often. Um, they're just playing. This isn't a reward time. You know, you're just, you're just having fun. Um, or, you know, they're not actually doing anything. Those are kinds of the, uh, that's a real adult mindset of so judging. It. <laughs> it is. And, and it makes me sad because the person who's saying that is probably, yeah, they're and, and not connected to this huge hug that can mm -hmm. be provided by, by that. So it, one of the things that I think I've really kind of learned um, definitely from my licensed professional counselor girlfriend is that is the balance. So 
I very much lean into all these fun things, whatever I can think of that's fun and exciting and neat to use and musical, but it is important to have a balance and it's important to look at like, I can get, you know, we can use all these things, but what if a client is continually uh, hurting themselves? Or what if a client is um, continually having a panic attack and none of these other things are working? Then it's important for me to look at how can I, can I have a little balance? Do I need to call uh, another provider to offer that support? Um, or do we need to look at that? Um, do I need to do some more studying up on, on what's going on? Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a lot there for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think that, uh, you know, it, I think the, the people who miss it just, you know, it's about even just the basics, like when it comes to trauma, like you said, safety, for example, um, you know, and there's so many ways, especially with kids, it's really difficult for a lot of kids to engage on that like talk therapy level. I mean, mm. you know, it's not developmentally where they are, you know, and that's a part of it is meeting clients where they are. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing. Yeah, I think it, it is. And, and for whatever reason in the school setting, we have, we have structured things and we have, you have to do it this way. You have to meet this standard. And and there's a lot of money behind that, which forces us to kind of get away from what's really, where are we letting the kid or the person be the kid or the person? Where are we right. like supporting just that natural spot? Um, but yeah. And, and when, when I do get those kinds of questions, which they do happen, um, you know, what, what are y'all really doing? Um, I do bring it back to, uh, usually something about trauma or an unmet need um, mm -hmm. about, you know, this in what happened and in dad dying unexpectedly, um, there are years of play and relational connection that has just been finished. And that's a huge loss. And so connecting with that need and, and kind of reminding that there reforming the template that the rest of the world can also offer some additional things that are important. They're not ever going to fill that hole, but it, it's not completely gone, the play around there. And so kind of explaining yeah. through in a more adult way helps, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you say there are any mental health concerns in which creatively based interventions would not be appropriate or recommended? That's an awesome question. I like this question. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure that there, that, that a lot of people would very, very, very many people would probably have a, uh, well, yes, you shouldn't do it here or here or here. Uh, I haven't found a time where using something that's even if it's just a deck of cards hasn't been helpful. Um, however, I think that sometimes, uh, just being able to use your voice um, as its own guide and like even as I'm talking slower kind of that example of like bringing things down a little bit can be one way so that perhaps if a, if a person's in a real like 
real harsh or pained state or just things are so out of it. And sometimes it is just being silent and being right there and regulating. Regulate. Thank you, Noah. You got this back and forwards. Um, and, so, <laughs> um, and then obviously, um, I think it's not so much the not using the creative or, or kind of playful intervention as it is what are what else do we need to add because a guitar and, and all of these things are great but sometimes it isn't enough and and often it's not enough it's just an extra tool so i definitely do believe that there is um in the right setting with the right support there can be some things around medicine that can help a lot um our groups or you know other kinds of things uh, it's not only that but yeah Cool. Okay. So moving back to changing gears to you as a therapist, what kind of experience do you have working with particularly vulnerable clients, such as those who are transgender, undocumented, or BIPOC, to name a few? Sure. Um, I think that uh, I should just start out by saying like, it's uh, this over this past year, uh, I I kind of stumbled into something that I think helps has been helping me learn a bit. Um, and I think that's the thing is like, I, I want to be more aware and more opening as I think a lot of people are hopefully feeling as, as we kind of gotten some things in our faces that should we, that need to be in our faces um, about being more aware um, and putting the time into to learn some things. But uh, I started doing a, early on with the kind of shutdown stuff, I started doing a, a weekly kind of um, singing a song, doing puppets, some kind of breathing thing that the puppets do an uh, example of, and then doing a bibliotherapy book. And that's where I started realizing that like, gosh, these books are so amazing. Um, and if you're not familiar with the terms for people listening, it can just, Dinosaurs Divorce would be kind of the first thing that comes to my mind is that kind of book, but there's other ones that um, uh, that are amazing. They're all in my closet right now, and I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on which particular ones that I could, I could reference. Um, I think, oh yeah, great one. Black is a Rainbow Color is a book that is phenomenal. Um, and I'll just leave it at that because it, it's on us to kind of check it out. Um, there's another one called I Am Jazz uh, that I just discovered. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is, they're examples. They're not going to be the perfect end all thing, but they are great examples of what we can be doing to kind of learn. And, and what's fun for adults is reading that exact book. Mm-hmm. Because if you're an adult and you, you have an area you want to grow in being, working with more people is it's great to start learning as a with a child mindset um and those books are quite amazing as far as my work and i kind of went on a tangent as i tend to do um i i've worked with a lot of kids i know that my senses i've either been told by a, a kid that they uh they are gay or that something is is a little different for them or i might have a sense but um, I, I am very thankful uh, uh, to, to have a, a person very close in my family 
uh, and one of my best friends that that is gay. And that that has also kind of very up for sharing with me about a little more of of the community as as a whole. Um, so it's 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 very. Um, I feel very lucky to have that window into things. Um, mm -hmm. And as far as other populations, um, Honduras really, really opened my mind as to having a little bit more understanding for what poverty and poverty in Austin or anywhere else, um, and even just things that, uh, you know, not being able to cover your day to day, to me, is, is where kind of poverty is really starting, and maybe yeah. even above that. Uh, we have all the terms for what it means, but anyway, um, in Honduras, I got to see uh, folks that, that were right living in the same community where a mother would basically care for all the kids, do all laundry by hand, cook all meals without any sort of intense, like, kind of appliance that we have with electricity going on and off and with water being iffy. Um, uh -huh. And... It was more, not that that gives me any sort of expert anything, I, but I was there for two years and three months, and it opened my eye that uh, there's a whole lot I don't know. There's a whole lot we don't know, and it is very worth walking into a counseling session, stripping away as much judgment as you can. Um, obviously, there's it's there's always going to be a little bit, and but you can be aware of it and push it out the door and try and kind of um, see where, where folks are coming from. So I have a lot to learn and I am open to working with, with just about anybody with the starting phrase of, uh, I want you to feel that this is good for you. And if it's not, I want you to tell me, or I want to help you find somebody else because there's a lot of us. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I like what you said in terms of approaching those things from like a, a child's mindset in terms of just that curiosity, you know, and openness. I think that's really important. Um, so when a new client sets up an appointment with you, I know a lot of people get really nervous before they have their first session with a new therapist, right? So, yeah. so this question is to help with some of those potential anxieties. What could a new client expect from an initial session with you? And what about on a more ongoing basis? Sure. Uh, my mind actually went to something that I, I don't know that all clients know, but I'll tell you this. I'm nervous for every new client that comes. <laughs> I'm nervous sometimes for sessions because I want to, I want it to be worth your time. Right. Like, it's not cheap for one. And even if it is cheap, you're still, it's not cheap emotionally or with your energy or your time. Right. Um, and so I think that it's okay to, uh, to go in. And, and I've noticed some clients that come in and it's very like, am I allowed to say this? Or are you kind of grading me? And I would really I, I know that there are some bad experiences people have with therapists, but I do believe that the majority of folks are really coming into this because they love it. And because mm -hmm. it's, you're walking into a, a majority of the time, a really non-judgmental zone. Um, and um, 
anyway, with, with that, I do start again by encouraging that this is kind of your deal and my deal. We're on a team. And if it doesn't feel like it's working, that's all right. I, you need to, it can work. There can be somebody out there that'll be really good for you. And if it's not me, let's get that person. Um, so in first sessions, are we talking with adults or kids? I missed that. I guess, I, I guess, could you give me an example of maybe both? Totally. Uh, for kids, I, <laughs> hopefully this is helpful to them. I think for some, it can be a little overwhelming because the nature of the screen is just really difficult. Um, and I am really finding after all this time that for kids, I adults, it's actually surprising. It's, it seems very effective and supportive and worthwhile for kids. I'm really starting to feel like I, I want to do what I can do to be in, in person as yeah. much as we can. Cause I, I know that there are some people that really can make the virtual work. Um, but for me, I think it's harder for me to make it work as well. Um, that doesn't mean I don't do it and I'm, I'm working with youth now. Um, but for the first session, I would show, assuming we're on video, I'd show them um, puppets. I would show them the synthesizer, the guitar. Uh, I might bring up that Chrome Music Lab kind of uh, um, website. And I would show them some games um, because I need it. I need for them to know that this is not a punishment. This is not a danger zone. This is a BU zone. <laughs> yeah. um, so that that's the beginning. Later on, um, I really kind of take guides from, from kids on where they want to go and what's helpful for them. Um, and sometimes it's kind of taking guides from like parents or oftentimes there's too, like what's, what's kind of going on that you can see. Uh, as well as counselors or other people. If I'm, if I'm really on my game, I, I would um, check in with other folks as well. Um, sometimes that's hard. Uh, and then continuing on with the kids until the kids kind of give a message that they are kind of really done. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes kids are better at giving that message than adults. Uh, which <laughs> is it's like, are we done yet? And it's like, okay, you've asked that like, <laughs> two sessions now and all right, either I need to make this more worth your time or maybe you're in a spot that you can kind of move on your next journey to the next spot. Um, adults, um, a lot of front loading about uh, what I do is, is in the first session is kind of just, I want to give as much information as I can to kind of, create a picture of what it could be like. Um, and so all the logistics are covered of how long things are, uh, sessions and how long we might work together, like that the ranges of things. Um, and then I'll explain like there's, I really lean on what they, where they would like to go and what they would like to work on. Um, and also kind of share some of perhaps my things that are not so strong for me. So uh, if they are looking for a diagnosis, I will be happy to explore that with them, but tell them really honestly that it's very hard for me to look at, at that as a value for you right now. And I would definitely want someone like a psychiatrist or another person who really specializes to get you exactly what you need. Um, we can research together, but so kind of sharing full disclosure, I guess. Um, and um, 
for for adults that first kind of piece of front loading on what could happen. Um, also sharing things like if at any point that you, it, even today, tomorrow, three months from now, something's not right, share it with me. Like I can, I can try and adjust and see what I can do. And like I, I said, I, I did have someone uh, one time, uh, I will never forget it because you forget what you don't forget when you really learn from a client. And that's another thing everybody should know walking into therapy is you are really going to be a teacher for your therapist and all future clients benefit from you because you're sharing your life and experience. So I did have a client one time say like, um, you know, don't, don't blow smoke up my, you know, <laughs> and, and I wasn't, I wasn't, but she had taken a supportive and positive outlook to, to really not connect with her. And so, um, again, I, I tell people that I will lean on the positive. Um, and if you need something different, let's talk as we go through, uh, this is such a long winded answer, but I think I no, just love this answer. work. So. <laughs> um, one of the things that has kind of happened over virtual time is I kind of stumbled into something I really like. And, uh, and especially for, uh, for adults, it's taking a theme, um, and just highlighting that theme. So uh, talking about safety, when I'm hearing a lot of things around like feeling really dysregulated or feeling really angry and wanting to hurt something or someone and bringing it back to how do we make more safety? Or is it pressure in your life or control of things? Um, but trying to find a word that really kind of we can bridge and center to. Self-care is a really easy one and also very common. Um, it's funny though, because as a therapist, I hear self-care and I, at this point, I, I kind of roll my eyes, but it's only because it's been overused and, and, or not overused, it's been used so much. But the reality is a lot of clients don't have that same, they haven't heard that word a billion right. times. And it's funny to me because I laugh, at, I laugh at myself when I say it to a client and the client's like, yeah, I've really been like trying to think more about working on my, my self-care. And I'm like, that's the greatest thing you you know, that's so yeah. wonderful. And, <laughs> and it's like, I need to like, I need to, you know, put myself away from this because it is so important to kind of um, honor that part of you. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. as we go along, it's, it's kind of that. And uh, I think looking at what systems and what things are affecting that person, because sometimes we forget um, just, how many different things are affecting you at the right now. So exploring that. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think systems, especially these days is a really important place to think about how people have gotten and why, and, and why they're in the position they are, you know, um, which oft, often has to do with the systems around them, which is unfortunate. Um, so, I mean, thinking about like social justice and thinking about incorporating that into the work we do, I think is of utmost importance. Yeah. Um, and 
And I, uh, I was really lucky this, I worked a little while with um, AISD and had one of, and, and love so many things about school and, and the people that are there. Um, and it was the uh, lockdown that kind of made it really difficult for me to kind of do things. But I was on a team that was probably the most diverse team I'd ever worked on. I was the only dude that that's not super new, but um, <laughs> there was, but the team had a varied mix of folks who were uh, coming from uh, black and African American BIPOC and um, Hispanic Latino um, groups. And, and I, I do have a, a part of, of my own identity that is kind of Hispanic Latino, um, but also very much aware that I appear and have a good amount of kind of white background, um, if, if not a lot. <laughs> um, so I guess getting back to your um, comment on the social justice is just, it's, it was a very wonderful learning experience to have a lot of um, people I got really close to who are also not afraid to truly share um, some truths. And um, even as I was excited to start my, my puppets book and music kind of little show, um, one friend, I was like, hey, look at these new books I got and they cover all these things. And, and, and little did I know I was in for a really good lesson in that moment. And she said, well, that one's really great. Um, and, and it was some, it was a book that was, um, definitely kind of geared toward, uh, the black population and kids. And, um, but they had highlighted some stereotype kinds of things. And it was, and she explained it, that it was like, this book could be good in a lot of scenarios, but at this moment, if you are, if you use that book, you can kind of highlight that oh well music and being a dj is like one of the only careers that you could do if you are black and that that was really like holy this is I've, i'm very grateful that i have this friend right now that is kind of guiding and so um from there she offered to kind of be a, a check-in for future books that i found um cool. and that's a, one thing there's a million things to work on but that was really neat cool cool um, what are some words or how would you say your clients describe or experience you? Honestly, I would say the first thing that comes to mind is like usually one to five minutes late. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm pretty good about communicating, but I do find that I am usually within that zone. Um, hopefully uh, someone that they can trust um someone that makes um that that provides a spot that they know they can you know the typical thing they know they could be themselves um someone that will occasionally find fun challenges and maybe nudge on once in a while um to help kind of uh, grow and uh i think also sometimes flexible and um to a fault <laughs> understanding of kind of uh, when things change. Um, and I'm kind of referring more to like missed sessions or late sessions is that mm -hmm. that's a really hard 
arena for all of us. And I do find that I want to lean on the being a little extra flexible, um, but it's a dance. So I think people would would say uh, understanding, hopefully. And I think uh, another word just from speaking with you today, I would add, I would just add the word safe. Thanks. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. How do you define the phrase? And, you know, as therapists, we talk about this all the time. How do you define holding space for someone? I would say to have it to where a client feels free that they can release or vent or dump whatever is there, that 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 can be expressed. Um, If it's, you know, we're humans and adults, we cuss and we yell and we get mad and kids do the same. And holding space is, um, I think, in a sense of perhaps, um, I'm trying to think of a good word, but uh, I'm just thinking like a guidepost, like a reference post. Um, Maybe if you're on this big trail and you just see that post, you know where that is. And so being able to to go off and to, if, if you fall in your just falling, 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 you know, this is there. Um, and that that will maybe hold some, some of what's going on and it's not going to be thrown back at you. I think that the holding space is also in my mind of, even if a client is kind of rude or, or, or some of the toxicity kind of comes out towards me, it, that could be a really necessary thing. And I can separate and know that I'm going to take care of myself mm-hmm. after this session. Um, I'm going to get some guidance, but regardless, like it might need to get out and that's okay. Um, so letting the client be able to repair if they need to coming back the next session say, gosh, I was, I, I felt so mad and thanks for coming back. Um, you know, I think can be a real way to hold that for them. Yeah, yeah. Are you a therapist who will laugh or cry with your clients? I, I read that one ahead of time and I was like, well, yeah, of course, totally. Um, I know that laughing for sure. And I do believe that either kind of way, either answer for that is a-okay. I think the goal comes back to what is helpful for for the client because we're there for them and uh i can totally see see i believe in in space for crying and and that crying is allowed and necessary and supportive and whatever um and so i can see that happening i i think it's probably happened a couple of times um Mm -hmm. but i would i would kind of go with what came natural and then if i thought that in the moment or after the moment, I thought that that was maybe not the best thing I would have done. I'll try and kind of recenter myself. And if I need to even mention like, Hey, you know, like that was a little off. Let me, let me kind of come back and let's bring that back. Um, That's what I do or hope to do. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Totally feel you on that. Um, What would you say is the best advice you've ever received from a supervisor? 
uh, comes back to a, a very, uh, a very wonderful pe person that I think a lot of Austin folks know and admire. Um, you know, uh, her name is Chris Downing, and um, she told me early on that um, if you like music, if you like this play, or you like gardening, or you like whatever, and and you're really enjoying it. If you bringing that into the session is going to just ignite and it's going to be a great thing. Um, but, and even further than that, the best thing a, a supervisor has ever told me is not what they've really necessarily told. It was, it was belief in their supervisee, belief in challenging them. Um, and, a great gift that the same person um, Chris gave me was also feedback. It's I, I have a hard time getting feedback because I, I really work super hard and have a lot of pressure on myself, but she is really just a, an amazing human and knows how to deliver and, and knows how to catch you if you need it after. And so as a supervisor, I got feedback from her on, hey, you know, that way you handled that scenario that just happened. That's not really in line with how I think you are or how you mean to do things. And so, um, yeah, I, 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 I feel very grateful to have those gifts from, from her. Awesome. Awesome. But what have you personally learned about yourself and or the world through your practice, would you say? That anybody that thinks uh, that there are normal people out there, um, <laughs> you need a hug. <laughs> if you want a hug, you need a hug. Um, everybody has something in that DSM of diagnoses. Everybody's got something and probably everybody's got five somethings. Um, so uh, that's, that's a big kind of lesson. And and about myself, I'd say I have learned that um, I, what I find to be effective, uh, I usually can tell by kind of how I'm feeling internally. If, if I know that, if I can see that there's a connection in, in the therapy and that the, there's kind of just, it doesn't have to be happy, um, but it, it, it's a, it's an investment in it when that's there on the client side and my side, I know that whatever we're doing is really worthwhile. If on either side, it doesn't feel on either side of the team. Um, if it, it doesn't feel that way, then it probably means I need to look at what I'm doing. And so I think a lot of self, especially with adults, I don't know why it is, but you really kind of get, you get a lot of feedback from kids, but you get a whole lot from adults. And so I think I've kind of learned over time to, as much as I'm in the moment and, and enjoy adventurous kinds of things, to slow down and really try and take good notes, not for any insurance or anybody else, but to make me better for the client so that I can be a I can bring something up that I remember because I have reviewed and looked through what they have already given to me. So, yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. 
what do you do to take care of yourself? <laughs> I'm laughing because uh, my girlfriend told me yesterday, we need to talk about you taking care of yourself. Um, and, um, we've had some, a lot of kind of family things this, this past month of kind of uh, doing a lot of support. And so it's, it's actually a funny, timely question. Um, I'll tell you what I do when I'm in a crisis, because uh, I, I did kind of just have a, a family crisis the past month. Things are, are really good now, but I knew that I was in it and I knew that it was going to get worse and I knew that it would eventually get better, but I knew that I could fall off of, of the train. And um, so what I did is I thought of my five closest people and I called them uh, and I left a message uh, if they weren't there and I said, hey, it's Michael and I am going through some really scary things right now. And I'm calling to ask you to, in about two weeks, give me a call and keep calling. And let's, and, and, ha and I want to ask you to set up a time for us so that when, when I get through this, this month, that I can reorient and reconnect myself to, to my, my life. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing I can do about what's happening in this moment. And there's nothing you can do either, but, but just check, reconnect and, sh and, and connect for me when um, that time goes. So that's actually been wonderfully effective. And I don't know how I haven't used it in the past. Um, uh, after we meet, I'll be meeting with a friend. Cool. Um, and uh, another thing that I do is um, fixing things. <laughs> Simple things like, I don't know, like, let's say that our, our cat door is like broken. Like, it's fun for me to just go fix it and see that it's repaired all in the same day. Um, sometimes I think that that repair will take five minutes and it takes four hours. And so my close ones in my family kind of laugh, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we've recently done a lot of um, non-expert gardening and we timed it. We got really lucky. And now we got these cherry tomato plants that are about three, four feet tall. Oh, wow. And there's, there's so much just joy and kind of nature connection thing that I think is really important when things are rough. Um, I Those are also, hard to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think, I think we use like a seaweed kind of special thing that helped. And if they're in the right spot, I've been lucky with them, but it may just be a particular brand because a lot of other things I just flop on, but um, <laughs> other things I do is, uh, um, I do talk a lot with, on the phone with, uh, with my brothers, with my family, uh, and, uh, fishing has been something I keep coming back to. Um, I'm really, we got a kayak as a gift. And so I go to a lake, uh, Lake Belton, um, and that's my place now. I, it happened over this past year. I went there one time and I was like, this is my happy place. Oh my gosh, I found <laughs> one. There's, there's so many, but you know, you, when you find a really good one and you know, it's just, um, so some of those things. And then the last thing is just recognizing when things are really out of whack and just kind of putting the phone in my, in another room and, and going doesn't matter what doing, just stopping, stopping, trying to do and fix. And 
<laughs> whatever else is going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, I want to tell you about there's this app for fishing that I use called Fishbrain. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Oh um, my gosh, that awesome. sounds awesome. It's awesome because you get to see all, like you can select different bodies of water and then you can see what everybody's caught from there. And also it's a great way what? to explore like new fishing spots. There are so many urban fishing spots in Austin. It's amazing. That's um, the one thing that's the hardest thing to know is like I look on the maps, I can never find, I, I see, see the big ones, but like, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll totally yeah. look at that. It's like You're seven with my self care. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, no, I've, I've been on there for like two years now. It's just worth it. They also have for subscribers uh, this feature called like bite time where it like takes a bunch of things into account and will tell you like when the best time to catch what type of fish <laughs> oh will be. Um, so super cool. Highly recommend it. That's um, awesome. <laughs> um, I knew you would appreciate that. That's why I offered yeah. it up. Um, so uh, next question, how would you define happiness? Hmm. Something that I think we're all trying to get to and we're all stumped. Most of us are stumbling royally to, to in the idea of it. Um, and the idea of it or uh, the um, belief of what it is. Um, I, don't, I don't know that my idea is right. I think that I have long time been lucky and, and the more that the older I get, the more I'm really recognizing this is a real privilege to say what I'm about to say, like a ridiculous privilege to, I mean, having this conversation on, on a, a phone and a nice microphone is, there's a lot there and the things nice. next to me. But um, I think being able to, uh, I've long time thought that I don't, retiring and those kinds of, that idea of working and saving to retire has always kind of confused me. Um, and uh, if, if I can do the things that I can enjoy doing and try to connect that with work um, and some sort of income, then then that's happy for me. I, so um, I think for me, it's, it's connecting to the things that I'm passionate about and trying to, to stay with them and help them grow. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of this whole, you know, I hate the whole idea of just like working like a dog to, so you can save up to retire and then, you know, and then hopefully someday having enough money to do that, you know, and so I, I thought about that when I made this decision to move to the coast, I, I decided I don't want to wait till I'm 65, 70 to move to the beach and retire. Like I can reduce my schedule now and move now. I mean, who's, why, why not? You know? Um, yeah. And, you know, in my eyes, tomorrow is never guaranteed. And I think right. we have to take advantage of the things that we have around us now and the things that we have control over now. Um, totally. So after this I'm episode, there's going to be a ton of people <laughs> moving to the coast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you'll have a you'll have a therapy collective. You know, that'd be great. <clears throat> you you drive yeah. down, you get your therapy, you get the nature time, and you drive back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm staying completely telehealth too. I'm going to maintain oh, nice. my practice 
continue to maintain my practice out, out of Austin, but it's going to be primarily telehealth with some limited in-person available later this year, but um, definitely looking forward to it. So the next couple questions I have for you, well, really the last couple questions I have for you are a bit vulnerable as if this whole thing hasn't been. Um, <laughs> what is the most embarrassing moment you've had as a clinician? <laughs> I didn't read that one, but I love it. because uh, <laughs> I think it should be a requirement to share that um, <laughs> in your first session with you. Maybe not, but it's, it's a fair idea. Um, most embarrassing. Oh, I, 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 I mean, I, I definitely, hands down, um, I have forgotten a session. And I, I don't know that, I don't know, I don't really know how common that is. But I know that that was an absolute horrible feeling in, in just dropping the ball therapeutically, consistently, all the stuff. There, in my mind, there's never, there's never a good enough reason. Um, uh, for for me, and this is in in the past uh, year and a half when it was kind of the virtual stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely better with my calendar, and I've started using a program to help with with that. The simple practice is it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, totally. And, <laughs> um, but I think that it's it's I don't even know. It's just very kind of um, never what I would want anybody to experience and so I, I did prepare and 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 it was it was fine I think sometimes what I might forget is that a client is a human too and even though I held myself to a high high standard on what I want to do and be most people are really accepting of of you if you mess up you just gotta go in and repair it right and I think it makes us that much more human and levels the playing field in terms of the just kind of inherent power dynamics, you know? Yeah. 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 But you're not the only one who've said, who said that on this show, there's been others. So you're not alone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, then maybe this is a good teachable moment. If for some reason you're a client and, or not for some reason, if you are a client and if you're wondering what's up, because uh, you haven't, the therapist in online, totally text and yes. call. Yes. We deserve to be nudged if for some reason something's off. And it doesn't matter. If we have a personal emergency, we'll let you know. And and, right. and, and we'll also apologize because I don't think anybody intentionally ever does that. Right, right, right. Okay. Next embarrassing, no, not embarrassing, vulnerable <laughs> question. Um, I would not say this is embarrassing at all. Are you in therapy or have you ever been? Totally. Yeah. Um, so from, yeah, I had, I was when I was a kid, um, that influenced a lot of, of, um, funnily enough, it influenced a lot of like the playfulness. Cause I remember mm -hmm. the therapist had a bunch of toys and manipulators and, and we played cards and that, that was actually, as I'm thinking about it, a very influential moment. Um, and then as a uh, young adult, a little bit, um, and as a, I don't know what you call 
if you're 37, are you just an adult? Like, I guess it doesn't really matter. I don't know. I'm <laughs> curious to too. <laughs> I, I'm about to be 37. So <laughs> let me know when you figure it out. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, I still think I'm a kid cause I, I just, I don't know, but, um, I guess now, uh, yeah, I have been, um, I kind of, at the moment I've enjoyed looking for a group, um, particularly in my case, um, I have a parent who has, uh, middle stage Alzheimer's. And, um, so I found that a, a support group of other people experiencing that has been just wonderful. Um, because there's a lot of things we tell ourselves that, that you find, oh, other people are telling us themselves the same thing. And we're all a little wacky with that, that story we're telling mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so yeah, um, outside of that, I, I think I'm always interested, uh, right now for learning and for whatever it could offer. Like, if I find a somebody who's got real EMDR experience, I'd be excited just to, to go and try and, and see how it goes. So I'm kind of constantly open to the idea and also know that a lot of the things that I have around me um, offer therapy in its own sense also. Got it. Got it. Well, Michael, is there anything else that you think would be good for a potential client or other therapists to know about you? Uh, thank you for for joining us and uh, really enjoy talking with you too. No, I'm really yeah, excited to do this. I think that uh, I'm excited to explore, like like literally just put your savior podcast on because it this was super fun. And I think it's fun to hear people talk on their experiences too, especially therapist stuff. I'm, I'm really excited. So thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Next Quest Podcast. I learned something new today, and I hope you did too. Stay tuned for next week's episode featuring Nethery Falchuk, licensed clinical social worker supervisor, who will be discussing their practice in an area of specialty, body liberation, and body trust. Next Quest Podcast is sponsored by Jan Dimmit Resources. Save yourself the time and stress of credentialing and let the experts at Jan Dimmit Resources do what they do best. For over 20 years, Jan Dimmitt Resources has provided administrative support and credentialing services to mental health professionals in Texas and beyond. Visit their website at jandimmitt.com. That is J-A-N-D-I-M-M-I-T-T.com or call 512-731-5725 for more information on all the ways they can make running your practice easier for you. NextQuest Podcasts relies solely on donations to keep this project going. Please consider becoming a patron on my Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash nextquestpodcast, or you can make a one-time donation on my website at www.nextquestcounseling.com slash aboutnextquestpodcast. You can also support the podcast by liking our Facebook page. 
Until next question, this is Noah Garcia signing off.